Thank you, Kent. Good morning, church. Happy Mother's Day. Kids, you are uh, dismissed for a gospel project. We hope you have a great time. Thank you to those of you who will be helping to lead them. And everybody else, if you would turn in your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 6. We are in our last sermon today in Proverbs. So Proverbs chapter 6 is where we'll be. If you don't have uh, a Bible of your own in your uh, seat, underneath the seat in front of you, there should be one. Feel free to take that if you don't own a Bible. Proverbs uh, 6. We've been um, skipped uh, last week as Rob was here to talk with us, but uh, this week we'll finish up our series called Social Currency, in which we're dealing with uh, what Proverbs says about relationships. Today we're going to talk about how to fight fair. Happy Mother's Day. We'll be in Proverbs 6. A few introductory comments. Um, We've all heard the saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Uh, Time heals all wounds. It doesn't matter what you say, only what you do. Talk is cheap. Wrong, 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 wrong. None of those are actually true or helpful statements. Words matter. Words either build up or they tear down. They encourage or they destroy. They bless or they curse. Words matter. In fact, the book of Proverbs says that death and life are the power of the tongue. That your tongue has the power to give life or to destroy. Maybe that's why some 90 Proverbs deal with how we speak. After the topic of of wisdom, the thing Proverbs talks about the most is words. And in the times it talks about words, what it talks the most about is how we use those words in times of conflict. So today we're going to end our final sermon in the Proverbs series by considering conflict and the words that we use in times of conflict. Proverbs talks a a great deal about conflict and fighting. It says that conflict is incited by things like pride, hatred, impatience, gossip, mocking, lying, rumors, drunkenness, greed, and anger. It seems as though conflict is everywhere in Proverbs. Do you ever feel like that in your daily life? Conflict is everywhere. Two big principles to ground our conversation in this morning, and this will be an intensely practical message, but two major principles to hold up in terms of summarizing what conflict is, what Proverbs says about conflict. One is that God hates conflict between brothers, and that we find in Proverbs 6. So look with me at verse 16, Proverbs 6, 16. There are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to him. And they're going to list them. One, haughty eyes. Two, a lying tongue. Three, hands that shed innocent blood. Four, a heart that devises wicked plans. Five, feet that make haste to run to evil. Six, a false witness who breathes out lies. And finally, one who sows discord among brothers. Friends, the Lord hates it. 
when we encourage, when we entice, when we feed, conflict among people who ought to be getting along. It's one of only seven things that the book of Proverbs lays out and says, in essence, avoid this at all costs. So one big principle, if we could ground and summarize the book of Proverbs in, God hates conflict between brothers. The other is much more positive. It's that there is joy in promoting peace. So if you take those two ideas and contrast them, they stand as polar opposites, that here's something God detests. It's when brothers or, or family or church family bickers and fights over things they ought not fight about. Not that we've ever experienced anything like that, of course. On the other hand, there is tremendous joy in being people who promote peace. Proverbs 12, 20 says, Deceit is in the heart of those who devise evil, but those who plan peace have joy. Such a great proverb. If you aim to hurt innocent people and take advantage of them, what the proverb saying is saying is, deceit is like a boomerang. You're going to throw it out, but it's going to come back and hit you. That if you're setting out to promote deceit, you are going to end up being impacted by it. But if you're a person who's seeking to promote peace, then you will have joy. The people who are not deceitful, who are not after selfish gain, but are eager to benefit other people, wise people who look for ways to promote harmony and reconciliation, this proverb says those kinds of people have joy. Can you think of somebody like that in your life? Somebody who actively works to promote peace in the lives of others. Invariably, those are people who are joyful, happy people. We all want to be that, right? Hopefully you want to be that. Hopefully you're not setting out in daily life to be grumpy, but to be joyful and happy. One vehicle through which to have that kind of life is to not set out for discord and disharmony, but to promote peace. So those are two big principles. God hates silly conflict between those who ought to be close, and there's joy in promoting peace. Everything else I'll say this morning in the next 35 minutes can be summarized in those two ideas. Oppose unnecessary, unhelpful conflict, because God does. Embrace peace, harmony, reconciliation. If you hear nothing else today, I hope you'll hear that. Now, where do we go from there? Well, let's try to flesh out some of those ideas in terms of really hands-on, practical application. Because all of us deal with conflict. All of us. If there are two human beings in a room, eventually there's going to be conflict. It is a part of life. So when conflict or when an offense happens, maybe you've already faced that. Don't elbow the person next to you. You may have already had a fight today. When there is an offense, the book of Proverbs says you have two basic options of what to do. And every time, you have to decide between one or the other. Those two options are to cover or to confront. That every time there's conflict, every time there's an offense, you've got to decide between those two choices. Cover or confront. 
Let me see if I can explain them. To cover is to intentionally take the brunt of the offense. It's to absorb the blow and to, by God's grace, choose to forgive. Sometimes that is the best way to handle an offense. It's simply to overlook it. It's simply to say, I'm going to choose, by God's grace, to look beyond this, to absorb the harm, to give that to God, and to move on. Proverbs says sometimes that's the best thing to do when there's an offense. But other times, Proverbs says to confront. To confront is to lovingly engage the person in dialogue leading towards resolution. On occasion, that's the most wise way to deal with conflict. So when offense happens, I would encourage you to think of the last time you felt offended, slighted, harmed, taken advantage of, whatever word you would use, think of that last situation. What did you do? Did you cover or did you confront? Proverbs says those are the only productive, helpful ways to deal with conflict. Now, there are, of course, choices, right? Yes, there are others Many other ways to deal with conflict, but they are not healthy. They're not productive. They're not godly. Proverbs says to deal with conflict in a way that honors God, in a wise way. You either cover or you confront. This tension is really nicely seen in a single set of Proverbs. Turn with me in your Bibles. I'd love it if this was a passage that became familiar to us. Proverbs 26, verses 4 and 5. And we'll add six for bonus. Today's a bonus kind of day. It's Mother's Day, and we're talking about conflict. Proverbs 26, 4, 5, 6. Listen to how the tension between cover and confront is displayed in this set of Proverbs. Answer not a fool according to his folly, lest you be like him yourself. So which one is that? Cover or confront? That's cover. That's don't respond back in the same way that you have been spoken to. Choose to overlook. Choose to cover that with God's grace. But watch the very next proverb. Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. Which one's that? Confront. Which one's right? Yes, both, both, and then bonus. Whoever sends a message by the hand of a fool cuts off his own feet and drinks violence. Not typically something you'd want. I think I like my feet. I'll keep my feet, even if they don't work very well, right? Okay, so answer not a fool according to his folly. There's times in which... The right thing, the best thing, the wise thing to do is to overlook. Don't say anything. But other times, answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own lies. Let's, let's boil this down to a practical example. Most of us here in the room have a roommate or a spouse. Most of us have 
an experience with that roommate or spouse in which we would say, he or she was not a nice person this evening. Correct? All right? Just for kicks, let's say you are the one that gets home first. You make dinner. He or she joins you. You gather around the table. You've too, you've also worked hard. You've studied hard. And he or she gets home and complains and gripes and moans and says, this food is awful. You have a choice in that moment. Do you throw the food at them or do you not? Those aren't your choices. You have a choice. Those two choices are? Cover, confront. I'm going to pound these into your lovely skulls today. Cover, confront. So, your feelings are understandably hurt. The way you were treated was not right. But how do you decide which one of those to do? Well, you go to the scriptures. What do the scriptures tell you to do? Pick. Some of you, your personalities are going to really struggle with this message, this principle. Remember that Proverbs is not a rule book for life. It's not telling you 100% of the time, always do this, and this result will always follow. It's giving you wisdom sayings, things that are generally true, which is really helpful when it comes to the principle of conflict. So to cover would be, say nothing, do the dishes, go about your evening as normal. Notice, to cover isn't to boil under the surface and snip. That's not covering. To cover is to choose to say, I forgive you. I don't need you to apologize for me to say I forgive you. I don't even have to say out loud, I forgive you. I'm going to voice to God, thank you, God, that this person isn't like this every day. And I'm going to choose to move on. Sometimes that's the best thing to do. Other times, though, you might need to say, I don't know what happened in your life today, but that hurt me. That was not helpful. Would you please not talk to me that way again? Sometimes that's the best thing to do. Which one? Proverbs' answer is, it depends now, let me show you that in some other passages. There are times it's the best thing to do to, to cover or to overlook. Proverbs 20, verse 3 says, It's an honor for a man to keep aloof from strife, but every fool will be quarreling. Sometimes there's a need to keep aloof, to not engage in a conflict that's not going to be productive. Proverbs 17, 14, The beginning of strife is like letting out water. So quit before a quarrel breaks out. Sometimes in that conversation, there is a dam that's about to blow. And you're just going to make it happen if you choose to engage. So stick your finger in the conflict by not saying anything and just move on. Proverbs 12, 10, 12. Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all offenses. It is an act of love to choose to overlook an offense. By cover, 
I mean that you choose to forgive and forbear. Love is what makes that possible. You give the other person the benefit of the doubt. You take the blow of the offense, give it to God, and move on. Again, let me say clearly, sometimes that is the most godly thing you can possibly do. So back to our example. Roommate or spouse, grumpy all evening, dissing on your meal. How do you decide? Do I cover that? I would choose to encourage you to think, is this unusual? Is this outside the norm of regular life? Then, then choose to give grace and cover and overlook. Is this becoming a pattern? This is often. Then it might be better to engage. Does that make sense? This means yes? All right. But there are other times that it's right to confront. Proverbs tells us that. Proverbs 28, 23. Whoever, some of you can't say this word because you avoid conflict always and thereby you produce more of it because you won't engage things that need to be resolved. That's destructive. If something is necessary to rebuke, then in love, rebuke it. Whoever rebukes a man will afterwards find more favor than he who flatters with his tongue. In many ways, I'm the product, spiritually, of people who have loved me enough to confront me. I can go back and literally give you dozens of names, I'm not exaggerating, of people who loved me enough to say, Chuck, you are an idiot. Don't do that Think that, say that, act like that. Here's why. Do you recognize this comes off this way? I am the product of people who've loved me enough to do that. Starting with my parents and then flowing through every church I've ever been a part of, including this one. Brothers and sisters who loved me more than they loved the absence of tension and they chose to engage me. I thank God for people willing to lovingly confront me. Several of you have done that in ways that have been helpful, not only to my own spiritual life, but to my leadership of our church. I hope you can say the same thing. If you can't, and you're a Christian, then probably what's happening is you're not going out of your way to communicate that you want that. One of my daily goals is to say to someone, I am open to your insight into my life. Would you pursue me and help me grow spiritually? That's part of what church membership means, is we're committed enough to each other to say, I'm opening myself to your correction. I may or may not agree with you, but I will listen to you. If you don't have anyone in your life like that, you are missing an enormous gift from God. And there are dozens of people, upwards into the low hundreds of people, who have committed together to live that kind of life, to cover at times and to confront at times. 
I hope you'll pursue it. Now, how do we know the difference? How do you know which one of those things to do? Well, I'd suggest you consider the severity of this the offense and you discern if there's a pattern. So how significant of an issue is this? If it's not a significant issue, then don't be so uptight that every little thing you've got to get upset about. Choose to cover. Give grace as you've been given grace. But if this is a significant issue, or if it's something happening repeatedly, the best thing to do may be to choose to confront. It depends on the circumstances and the people involved. There is no one-size-fits-all answer to what to do when an offense happens. Does the conversation have the probability of being fruitful? If so, go for it. If not, leave it alone. The black and white people in the room are screaming inside right now, aren't you? This is a difficult thing. Then you may consider your motives. Offense happens. I've got these two categories now because of Proverbs we're thinking about, cover or confront, before I decide which one to do. I might need to ask myself, what is my motive? If I'm leaning towards confronting, am I seeking to get even or am I seeking to love and to resolve? If I'm seeking to get even, I should never, ever, 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 ever confront. The motive in confrontation is not to get back. It's not to return evil with evil. It's not to hurt back. It's not to settle the score. How many conflicts in your life, how many destructive, broken relationships could have been avoided if you didn't engage because you were angry and you wanted to settle the score? If the motive is to get back, then you must cover, not confront. If the motive is love, resolution, reconciliation, then maybe the right thing to do is to confront. And then finally, if I haven't made you squirm in your seat yet, this one will do it. Proverbs 9.8. Do not reprove a scoffer or he will hate you. Reprove a wise man and he will love you. Proverbs says, when you're choosing cover or confront, consider your audience. If you've confronted somebody multiple times and they have scoffed at you, they have, in essence, spit in your face. They have arrogantly disregarded what you've said. Then eventually, the best thing to do is to choose to cover and not to even engage because it's not productive. If you're that kind of person, may God give you a warning today that you're destroying the relationships around you. If you're someone that can never, ever, ever be confronted and someone else be right and you be wrong, then in the words of Proverbs, you're a fool. You're a scoffer. And that kind of person will self-destruct. So we're thinking about 
Is this a big thing or a small thing? Has this happened in the past? What's my motive? And I'm also thinking, is there any chance that this might turn out to be profitable? You can't know that unless you've walked through that multiple times with people. Are you with me? But every now and then, we come across someone who just flat won't listen to anything. That kind of person, the best thing we can do is pray for them, ask God to break the hard heart, and be there to lovingly, graciously help when when life comes along and beats them up. Because that's what will happen. Cover, sometimes. Confront, sometimes. Love, all the time. Will this drive you absolutely nuts? Maybe. Unless you understand that what Christianity is, is not a list of rules. Christianity is a relationship with a loving Heavenly Father who sent His Son to die in your place and rise again, then who ascended back to the Father and sent the Spirit to dwell in you so that through the Spirit you can have the daily life of Christ working in you, listening to the guidance of the Father. Do you see the wisdom of God and how He laid this out? Because in daily life, there's going to be offense. There's going to be hardship. There's going to be conflict. There's going to be something that rubs you the wrong way. And so God has given you a a daily way through which to remember to turn to him and to seek his wisdom. Because it's through the direction of God that you'll come to understand, do I confront this or do I cover this? Isn't that cool? Immensely practical. Now, how do we do that? Okay, we've talked about two principles, big ideas about conflict, and then two options that we have, cover and confront. But how do you actually go about doing those two things? How do you cover when it's appropriate? How do you confront when it's appropriate? That's what I want to spend the rest of the morning on. And I'm going to read a whole bunch of verses and just seek to glean what you can, perhaps write down the references, but glean what you can and how to go about those two things. The book of Proverbs says tons of things about how to cover offenses. I've tried to distill them down into six strategies for covering offenses. Six strategies for overlooking offense. Six strategies when you're choosing not to confront. The first one is to simply be gentle. Proverbs 15 says, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. The tongue of the wise commends knowledge, but the mouth of the fool pours out folly. I personally have been shocked the number of times someone comes to me really angry looking for a fight, and if you'll choose to respond gently, calmly, kindly, how many times 
simply that diffuses the entire situation. When if I had responded with a blow in return of the blow I was given, it would have been World War III. A a simple way to diffuse conflict, cover an offense, is simply not to respond back in the way you've been responded to. Disengage by gently acknowledging what you've heard and aim to smooth over the situation. Sometimes that's a really godly thing to do. Closely on the heels of that is to keep your cool. Proverbs says a lot about that. 29.22, a man of wrath stirs up strife. One given to anger causes much transgression. Proverbs 15.18, a hot-tempered man stirs up strife, but he who is slow to anger quiets contention. My favorite in the book, Proverbs 16.32, whoever slow to anger is better than the mighty, but he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. God says it takes more strength to not blow your cool than it takes to fly off the handle. It is a sign of strength to be moderate. Not politically, have your own opinions on that. It is a sign of strength to be moderate in conflict. It's not weakness. Why? Not rhetorical question. Why would that be true? Why is Proverbs 16.23 in the Bible? Chilla? Why do you think that takes more strength than verbal vomit all over the person? It takes strength from God not to fight back, doesn't it? Our natural instinct is to fight or it's to cave and feel crushed and then snip. Those are our natural instincts, most of us. So it takes more strength to rely on God to not fight back. Beautiful verse. So be gentle, keep your cool. Number three, choose your words carefully. Proverbs 21, 23, whoever keeps his mouth and his tongue keeps himself out of trouble. Every parent in the room is thinking, there's my next memory verse for my children. And there may be some children that are thinking, my parents need to learn that verse. Both of you could share it with each other. Choose your words carefully when there is an offense. Four, be careful not to get involved in someone else's conflict. You are observing a conflict. If you're not directly involved, it may be best to stay out of it. You're going to love this verse. Proverbs 26, 17. Whoever meddles in a quarrel, not his own, is like one who takes a passing dog by the ears. <laughs> Did you 
just, um, I've seen that happen so many times. People not engaged, not involved in a conflict, and then they grab the dog by the ears. What happens to them? They get their face bit. <laughs> Stay out of it if it's not your conflict. Unless you're engaging to promote peace and resolve it, because it's so out of control that's not going to happen, leave the dog alone. Five, recognize the source of conflict is the heart. We have talked so much about the heart this year. Proverbs outlines for us so carefully, the heart is the source of your behavior. If you want a great passage on that from the New Testament, read James 4. James 4 says, what causes quarrels and fights among you? Isn't it the other person? That's not what it says. It says it's the battle going on inside of you. You want something you don't have, and that's why you fight back. The source of conflict is always internal, in the heart. Really extremely helpful passage in James that teaches us so much from what Proverbs tell us. And then six, I'll end with this one in terms of how to cover, is listen when you're confronted. So someone comes to me and says, Chuck, I'm concerned about this issue in your life. I may take offense to what they're about to tell me. Has that ever happened to you? Somebody's confronted you and it's hurt. It doesn't have to hurt. If it, hurt, if it hurts every time, something's a little wonky in my own heart. But the way somebody may go about that may cause pain. One great way to cover an offense is to simply listen to them, listen for seeds of truth, and wash off the rest of it. Do you have the capacity to do that? If you have the Spirit, you do. The Spirit raised Christ from the dead. You can choose to say, I'm going to push off the fat and eat the little piece of meat. In Christ, you can do that. And some of these Proverbs say to do it. Proverbs 12, 1. Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but he who hates reproof is... Proverbs 17, 10. A rebuke goes deeper into a man of understanding than a hundred blows into a fool. Friends, why is receiving confrontation from somebody else so difficult for many of us. I think we often care more about our pride than we do our purity. Sometimes it's because we're weak on truth. Who are you to tell me what to do? Sometimes we're, we really stink at it. We do it so infrequently that when we actually choose to do what the scriptures tell us to sometimes do, we completely butcher it. If someone comes to you and talks to you about something that they perceive to be sinful and harmful in your life, give them grace in how they do it. Because chances are, this may be one of the first times they've ever tried to obey the Bible. Choose to cut away the fat in what they say and chew on the meat. 
Give grace. That is a great way to cover an offense. Now, what about the other side? How do you confront in a godly, helpful way? One of the books back in our bookstall is a little tiny thing. You can read it in an afternoon. And it is one of the most helpful books I have ever read. It's called Resolving Everyday Conflict. Great little book. So much do we believe in the principles in it that when you leave today out in the patio, there's going to be people handing out little pamphlets. They're free. Uh, Your name's not on it, and there's not examples in it, okay? General principles about how to resolve conflict. Here's what's in the pamphlet. Four things. Number one, glorify God. So when there's a conflict, and it must be engaged. It seems the right thing to do is to confront. The first thing to do is to glorify God. So I'm orienting myself before I ever say anything to this other person. My desire in this is that God would be honored. Not that the wrong would be righted, not that I would feel better, not that my intelligence and your stupidity would be revealed, but that God would be glorified. So much conflict would be different if that was the driving passion. Glorify God. Number two, get the log out. Get the log out. Those of you familiar with the Bible will know what that one means. The rest of you are lost. Jesus comes along, and in Matthew, he tells us how to live a wise life. And so he says, if you're going to talk to someone about something that you perceive to be wrong in their life, the first thing you need to do, before you talk about the little speck in their eye, is to pull the plank out of your own eye. When I was 11 or 12, uh, my youngest brother and I were playing in the snow, and uh, He was younger and smaller at that time. Uh, He's not anymore. And uh, I was caught down a hill that I couldn't get up. And so he took a big log and held it like this, laying down, and there was a branch that came off of it like this. And I pulled on the log, and he started sliding down the hill. And Chris came eyeball to stick with that stick. Not an exaggeration. He stood up and it was sticking straight out of his eyeball. About that long. So the 12-year-old brother, what does he do, of course? No. Pulls it out. Stood up. Grabbed it out. And then I remember saying, do you want to keep playing? (laughs) He's got specks in his eye. And I asked, do you want to keep playing? Then I said, don't tell mom. (laughs) Uh, To this day, he talks about that incident and the fact that we always peed in his shampoo bottle. Those are the two things my my brother always is referring to. These are the legacy of the Newkirk boys. Now, I tell you that story So hopefully you won't forget the principle. If you're considering confronting someone, first be sure that actually you don't have a bigger problem in that area yourself. Don't go busting somebody else up because of something in your own life. Deal with your own sin first. 
Then if there's still a speck and you need to confront it, then go in love, but pull the stick out of your own eye first. That's number two. Then number three, gently restore. Help others own their part of the conflict. This is where Proverbs gives us some specific things to remember. Proverbs 12, 25. Anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down, but a good word makes him glad. Proverbs 10, 11. The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life. Friends, if you go to confront, go to be a source of life. Go to give good words, helpful words. It's always wise to say things like, is it possible that? Or it seems to me that maybe. Or I might be wrong, but I think this could be an issue. What are you doing when you preface confrontation like that? You're acknowledging the possibility that you're seeing circumstances through your own eyes, and you could be wrong. You're softening the blow before you give it. It's helpful to do that. And then, in the essence of what you say, choose to focus on giving life, not harming. Use the scalpel to cut in a way that is cutting to remove the cancer, not stabbing the person. Be gentle. Restore kindly. Have you ever noticed the first thing Jesus said to most people he appeared to after the resurrection? And you likely woke up thinking about that, I'm sure. The first thing Jesus most often said after his resurrection to his followers. Peace, yes. Who said that? Boom, boom. He said, peace be with you. When you go to confront, go with the hope that what you're bringing is the gospel. The gospel is a message of peace. Finally, go and be reconciled. So give forgiveness. Arise at a reasonable solution. These four steps can be wonderful, helpful ways to go about resolving conflict. Brothers and sisters, what if we became a church family that were mature, wise in our thinking? We're willing to cover, we're willing to confront. Someday, somewhere, there ought to be a church where people love each other enough to know which one of these to do and in which circumstances. Someday, somewhere, there ought to be a church where winning an argument is far less important than loving each other. Someday, somewhere, there ought to be a church where people are humble enough to listen when they're confronted. Someday, somewhere, there ought to be a church where maintaining a veneer of nicety is far less important than helping each other pursue purity in Christ. Someday, somewhere, there ought to be a church where people, when you feel harmed, you don't run to another church. You choose to stay and aim to work it out. Someday, somewhere, there ought to be a church 
where there's evangelistic power coming from our relationships because the world says, I've never seen people stick together like that. Someday, somewhere, there ought to be a church like that. Why not here? We stand in the end. Let's pray. Father, conflict is something we all face. And we acknowledge that you are a great God, a powerful God. A God whose power is big enough to help us leave today and go to someone we need to say I'm sorry to and do so. Your power is big enough that you would move us today before we leave the room to go to somebody else that we're not on speaking terms and to seek to be reconciled. You're, you're such a great, powerful God that you're big enough to help us cover over, to choose to forgive, to let something go that really needs to be let go. Confrontation is the welcome mat that we stand on before we entered the room of salvation because you confronted us in our sin. So we thank you and praise you for right confrontation. And we pray that we would become a people able to discern when to cover and when to confront. We praise you that you're a great God. And as we sing that out now together, we pray that you'd help us to see how to apply this. In Jesus' name, amen.